Welcome to Two Therapists Talking. The hope for this podcast is to talk about important issues related to couples and individuals who are struggling in their lives with many different issues. I'm David Thompson, a marriage and family therapist. And I'm Sherry Christensen, marriage and family therapist. Please join us as we explore these issues together, and we hope you will learn and be enlightened along the way. Come find us at twotherapisttalking.com. If you like what you're hearing, please get on and rate us and subscribe to the podcast. Hi, and welcome back to Two Therapists Talking. I'm David. And I'm Sherry. And we are excited to talk about something today that is always a topic in this recovery process. And that is, how do I know if I should stay or go? And when? This is a big one. And I think everybody who's gone through this is asking this and needs help figuring this out. So we want to spend the next two episodes specifically just on this topic of do I stay or do I go and how do I know? So really good question. And a lot of this, when we are working on this process, let's say with the sexual addict, okay? Um, The goal with the sexual addict, we'll refer to the sexual addict as him and the person in betrayal trauma as her, but this can be reversed easily, but for sure, the goal is honesty and integrity. Number one, like it's not even close. That's the number one thing that they need to be doing. Mm -hmm. Number two, in my book, a close second is empathy. And then a kind of a distant third is sobriety. Now, sobriety is really important, but it's not as important as the other two, because this isn't about perfection. This isn't about um, them overcoming years of trauma in just a matter of of Mm -hmm. months or something. But you can actually turn the corner on honesty pretty quick. You really can. And you need to if this is going to work. And the empathy has to start to come in there as well. So just so you know, that's sort of the guideline for the person in sexual addiction. And so for the spouse who's in betrayal trauma, the question becomes, well, okay, great. Now this is all out and it looks like we're working towards something, I guess. I think it's for the right reasons. I'm not sure. Yes. Uh, (laughs) He knows that this relationship could be over. And so he is moving, he's doing something, but how do I know if it's real and how long should this or take? if they're doing the things they need to be doing or how that how that's working. And I know a lot of spouses are going to balk a little bit at that sobriety being that third one, right? They're going to just <gasps> kind of have that. So I just want to address that. We're not saying that this is the last thing, that this is like, it's fine that they're continuing to act out. It's fine (laughs) that that's happening. That's not sobriety. That's not, yeah, that's not moving in that direction of sobriety. What we're saying is that, uh, relapse can be a part of and often is a part of recovery because all of this stuff that they've been doing, the patterns and everything that they've been Uh, that are so well mapped out in their life are now very, we need to bring it into the consciousness and help make them aware of that, help them to see the patterns and what they need to do to interrupt those patterns and all of that. That takes time. And sometimes it takes 
relapses where they have that experience and then can trace it back. And we, in therapy, talk that through. How did you get to this place? What happened? And we pull out the triggers. We pull out all of the pertinent information so they can actually move forward. Because with addiction, all of that is a good chunk of it is in the subconscious. It's just now the pattern that their brain runs on. Right. And, and hopefully we do some sessions if we were actually doing therapy, helping the spouse understand the nature of addiction. Mm-hmm. And I think most people do, if you were to relate it to something like going on a diet to lose weight. I mean, mm-hmm. how often does one diet work and we're done? Yeah. Ta-da! Uh, not really because food and eating has become much bigger than just what's healthy and what's not. It's a way to cope and it's a way to deal with sadness and all sorts of things. So not as simple, sometimes. not as simple. And for the record, when Sherry says relapse, um, the goal is slips versus relapses. And if we go back yes. to like the trust discussions, we identify a slip as they acted out, but they were honest about it versus a relapse being more they acted out and they're not. Yes. So we want you to know that honesty is absolutely the expectation here. Right. Yes. And a lot of people outside of like, David and I will will say relapses right. anytime, right? right? And if you're in a 12-step program, a relapse is anytime out again after. that yeah. you've yeah, acted out. And so I love that clarification because maybe a better way to say it isn't is relapse isn't part of it is not going to be a good part of recovery. If you're hiding right. it, right. it would be the slip that could be a helpful part of recovery. So, right. uh, so yes, good clarification. So we're saying that sobriety is really important and it is really important in terms of being able to do, it helps the other two and it helps your relationship and it helps all of these things to have that sobriety. And, and is a goal. We're expecting that that will get better over time uh, in a really real way, right? Not that it takes, you know, 10 years, but this is something that should increase and should uh, be progressing and you're getting more and more space in between slips, not relapses. <laughs> um, because if you're relapsing, then you're not doing the honesty and integrity part, right? Right. So what we're saying is possible very quickly is the honesty and integrity part and the right. empathy. So that should be right away. And empathy should be very closely followed up as you're learning how to do that and then implementing it. And then sobriety comes in time. time. And we do want it as soon as possible. Yeah. It just tends to be more of a longer term goal. Um, And honestly, the improvement isn't. Right. But full, like 100%, all the time, everything is going to come with time. And just in what I do with clients. I found that you kind of have to slip after. It teaches you a lot because you have sobriety for a while after a disclosure process because you're scared. Mm-hmm. But then those parts of you are coming back saying, hey, you know what? This actually did work. It made me feel better. And I have so many clients who they have to slip at least once more to say, nope, for sure, this is not what I want. It's like that final slip did it for them. Mm-hmm. And I've just noticed that that seems to be kind of a pattern. So. That's why we're not saying all or nothing, which sometimes couples coming in here, she's already decided if this ever happens again, mm-hmm. I'm out. That's it. And yeah. I, I will 
talk to her about that and see if that's very realistic. But other behavior, absolutely. Honesty, absolutely. We can say that. Yeah, yeah. That's something that can shift pretty immediately. So So with that foundation, which is a good one, I think, how do you know what you should do? We've talked about clients having some time frame that can be really helpful. Mm -hmm. And often it'll be a period of three to six months to try to give the relationship your best effort. Right, right. Three months is kind of that real minimum spot. (laughs) To change the kinds of things we're talking about, it's not very realistic to be faster than that, I've learned. Oh, for sure. And even that is like, yeah. woo, that's, that a is small, that's a real small amount of time. So we, we do like to recommend, hey, you know what? Give it at least three months. Maybe six months is, you know, a little bit more of a realistic time frame to say, okay, where are we at? Now, does that mean, hey, it's, you know, I'm setting my clock for three to six months and then nothing, you know, okay, sure. Hope you figure this out. Right. There's so much work that has to be done, uh, in that space, you know, getting, getting therapy, doing the 12 step program, you know, or other type of group that relates to this, you know, go back to our steps to recovery podcast episode where we go through those things. Uh, you're not going to get anywhere neither of you are going to get anywhere if it's just this open-ended, Hey, (laughs) great. Hope you figure stuff out in three to six months. Right. And, and another important point, I think real quick, um, this does depend on what happened. It kind of depends on the level of offense because this is not all offenses Mm -hmm. are created equal. And if this is, for example, multiple affairs over multiple years versus I just discovered porn, that's going to be a different, thing. Right. And so we don't mean to say that no matter what has happened, you should be giving them a second chance or a third chance or whatever chance it is. You may very well have reached a point of, you know, this has happened before. We already had boundaries. I'm trying to figure out if I should stay or if I should go. So not all offenses are the same. Yeah. Not all circumstances are the same. Yes, exactly. I love that point. If if they have been with multiple partners over multiple years and you've already been through this yeah. process and already done therapy and already done all these things and they've gone back to something like that, that you absolutely don't have to sit there at that point and say, you know what, let's give it six months and see how we do, right? So treat this as like <laughs> blanket advice, but not to every personal situation. Uh, you're going to have to really... Adjust things. Adjust things and hopefully work with somebody one-on-one to help figure this out. Yes. I I love that we're talking about, do I stay or do I go? And really, as we're writing uh, concepts down and thinking about concepts around this, the answer comes down to, like, we can't tell you. (laughs) Right. Really. We should start every episode with that, actually. (laughs) We can't tell you what you should do. And you have to kind of take the, the information... And take it from your specific circumstance, what's going on for you, the severity of addiction, the amount of work that's been done in the past versus 
this situation currently, you have to take all of those things into account as right. you decide. And so we want to hit some important key things that if you're starting to see this, or if you are seeing these things, then you're on a good track. Yep. But you have to be able to kind of take all those pieces and, and realize, okay, what's actually going on in my circumstances for me? Yes. Well said. So what are some of the things we look for? Yeah, with that foundation of what the person who's in addiction is hopefully working towards, the honesty, the empathy, the sobriety, um, you need to be looking for those things being demonstrated. Mm -hmm. And more importantly, I think a big part of this is attitude. It's okay, at least for me, Sherry can have a different (laughs) opinion, but it's okay for me if... The addict starts for the wrong reasons. I have so many wives that will come in here and say, yeah, but he's doing this because I'm scheduling the appointments. I told him if you don't do disclosure, for example, then we're finished. And mm-hmm. that's the only reason why he's doing it. Well, that could be true. Yeah. However, I've seen lots of cases where we start for those reasons and it becomes something else in time. Yes. So I'm okay with that. Yes. Um, what I'm talking I think ultimately... They have to get to the place where they're doing recovery for themselves. Right. And Definitely. when they're doing all of Definitely. that for themselves, that has to be yes. the ultimate space where you end up or it's never going to work. hundred percent right. not going to work. And I think that's maybe where some of these spouses are coming from. Like, oh, but he's not doing it for the right reasons. Right. And it's like, okay, but sometimes you have to have these other consequences in place. You know, that's a boundary. Like we're, I'm the one that's driving this right now. Some of sometimes it has to be that in place before they realize, oh, this is something I want for me. Often it's that way. Mm-hmm. And you know what? We'll take what we can get. Maybe I feel desperate in some way and that drives part of this. But if he's in here at all, I'm glad he is and we'll work with wherever he's right. at. But absolutely with the hope that in time and in less time than more time, they <laughs> become committed to becoming their highest and best selves, total honesty, integrity, and really identify their core values of love or family or togetherness and start to shape their lives around those core values instead of what it's been before, which is more of like, I'm just kind of getting by and I'm feeling better by acting out or coping with these things. And you know, we're trying to get them to become their highest and best selves. This is why we say 2.0. So David 2.0 or Sherry 2.0. Yes. Um, so having said that, attitude. Demonstrating yes. a positive attitude is so important here. So. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that, so I think there's two parts to this attitude thing. I think there's that concept of like, what are the, what's the motive between. I think there's a concept of what's the motive for why you're doing what you're doing is your attitude. This is for, for me. And this is what I choose, what I want, regardless of what happens, regardless of if the marriage stays intact or not. And then there's also the attitude of how, how are you treating this recovery process? How are you treating your spouse? Right. If every time your spouse sees that every time you are, 
going to a meeting, you're like, oh, this is terrible. Why do I have to do this? This is ridiculous. You know, when every time you have to do a trust discussion, either you're missing it or you are like annoyed by it. When any time that you talk about having, you know, empathy for the situation of the other person, that it's just a pain when you're making comments to your spouse, like, why do we have to keep doing this? Like, why aren't you over this yet? Like, when are you going to be done? Like, when are you going to be healed and we can move on with our lives the way that we I want to? I cringe when wives tell me their husbands are saying no, this. I know, I <laughs> know. He's like, well, how long is this going to take? It's like, yes. oh, no. Yeah, he doesn't get it yet. Yeah. Yes. So those kinds of things are the, the second piece of that attitude. Like, where are you with your spouse? Where are you with recovery? Um, and those are the things that we're saying that she needs to be looking for. Yep. Those are critical. And by the way, I know maybe what some of you might be thinking, if you're the addict listening, um, you know, what, I've got to be perfect and I can just never be discouraged or upset or frustrated that this process is a lot longer than I thought it was going to be, which by the way, mm-hmm. it's going to be a lot longer than you think it's going to be. Yes. It just is. Yes. So hopefully there's some familiarity with the 12 steps. I like step 10. Step 10 is all about when you're wrong, you promptly admit it. So what that means is it's okay to be frustrated or impatient with the process at times, Mm -hmm. but you have to be able to rebound pretty quick and genuinely have empathy and remorse and understanding. So for example, if you were to say something like, oh, we're talking about this again, (laughs) which is going to happen a lot, and she's genuinely hurt and sad and um, feeling rejected and abandoned, it's okay to feel that way, but I expect pretty quick Step 10, for you to say, you know what, that was insensitive, I'm sorry, this is going to take a while and that's okay, I just, sometimes it's hard for me, however, you're worth it and I want this to work and I'm going to keep trying. So, it's not that you have those feelings, Um, you just got to follow them up. And this is the same with anything that you're doing, this is the same with Mm -hmm. parenting, it's okay to be frustrated, but especially if somebody calls you out, hey, you're being mean, or hey... Um, you're, yeah, hopefully you won't need them to call you out all the time you that you'll be able to self-regulate that way and recognize yourself, but your, your betrayed wife will yeah. just telling you she will, she'll yeah. let you know when she does do not be upset at her that she does because you should at this point have developed your own. I really want this for me no yeah. matter how it started. So not perfection, Progress, but you better be good at when she does point it out or when you see it and you're made aware of it, you're pretty quick to say, you know what, I'm sorry and mean it and you're genuine. Mm-hmm. And I would like this process to go faster, but I understand that the pain I've caused and the betrayal is my choices and it's hurt you a lot. So yes. that's the difference. Yes, yes, yes. Hopefully that's where the motive is and the intent and shifting how you're talking about things. Okay. So there's a real brief start on that. We've got a number of things that we still want to talk about with that. And we'll 
follow this up. So definitely listen to the next episode on the additional things that we want to make sure that you're seeing consistently to know whether or not you stay or whether or not you go. So really good things to come. Tune in for the next episode. I'll see you then. Thank you for listening to Two Therapists Talking. We look forward to sharing more conversations with you. Connect with us at twotherapisttalking.com or email podcast at twotherapisttalking.com. If you like what you're hearing, please get on and rate us and subscribe to the podcast.